Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1117 of the Juicebox Podcast. It's been quite some time since we've made an addition to the Bold Beginning series, but today's episode is in fact an addition to that series. Today we're going to be talking about your medical team, and it might be um, a little different conversation than you're expecting. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you're looking for community around type 1 diabetes, check out the Juicebox Podcast private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. But everybody is welcome. Type 1, type 2, gestational, loved ones, it doesn't matter to me. If you're impacted by diabetes and you're looking for support, comfort, or community, check out Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. Don't forget to save 40% off of your entire order at CozyEarth.com. All you have to do is use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. That's JUICEBOX at checkout to save 40% at CozyEarth.com. This episode of the Juicebox podcast is sponsored by U.S. Med. USMed.com slash juice box or call 888-721-1514. U.S. Med is where my daughter gets her diabetes supplies from, and you could too. Use the link or number to get your free benefit check and get started today with U.S. Med. Hello, Jenny. How are you? I'm awesome. How are you today? I'm awesome too. Together, we're awesome squared. Yay! So today for... Uh, the bold beginnings episodes. We're going to do your medical team. Ah. Such a good topic, is it? Yes, it I, is. I feel like I'm this, curious what um what people what said and what people have said. Yeah, I am. First one off the bat. First off, find a doctor who listens to you and your worries, not one who tells you it's all in your head and and are totally not knowing what you're talking and you're totally not knowing what you're talking about. So. Uh, it's all in your head. Interesting. Your concerns yeah. aren't important. Why does that happen, Jennifer? Why would a doctor hear my concern and just tell me it's not real? I don't know. I don't know. That's yeah. a good question. I mean, on all ends of the spectrum, regardless of whether you have a child or an adult, part of being a, a medical professional is that somebody is coming to you for assistance, mm -hmm. right? And if you can say to them, let's look at this in a logical way, let's look at this in your concerns, and let's figure the ones out that actually are relative to something that we can change. And what are some of the other ones that we can address in terms of like another avenue of discussion, right? But nothing is, nothing is not important, <laughs> well, so here's the problem is how do you know, how do you get past that white coat syndrome where you look at them and you think, well, they must know, right? And 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 how long do you put up with being treated poorly before you make a change? And what if you can't change? What if you live in a small town and this is the endo? 
and that's, that's true. And that's it, you know? That's true. There are many, you know, places, and I'm only talking nationally, but I do know, you know, internationally, it can be an issue too, having worked with a lot of people outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on where you live and what you have access to and what your um, network providers may be or whatever, what you have access to makes, it can make a really big difference. Yeah. You may not love the person that you go in to talk to, um, but you may need them just even from a prescriptive standpoint. Yeah. You you may really have to utilize them from that and you may have to outsource in another in another way. And that's that's sad because many times if you outsource, it will be you're paying out of pocket for something else. Right. And keeping in mind that this series is for newer diagnosed people, like this is a frightening idea. Like you mean mm-hmm. all this happened to me and the doctor might not be good? Oh, and how would I even know if they're good? This this person said, what should I expect in terms of my support staff? We found that there were many conflicting pieces of information when we were first diagnosed, and they were coming mm. from different doctors and nurses within the same practice. Yeah. So, it, you know, so you're in a room with one person, they're telling you one thing, and then you come back three months later, and they're telling you something different. Also... No one explains to you that in a lot of practices, you don't see the endocrinologist. Or at least not very often. Very often. You're right. Yeah. Because there is, there is, I mean, if you will, a shortage of, of endocrine mm-hmm. pra- you know, practitioners. And what you may find is that you have a nurse practitioner or a PA, a physician's assistant, that you meet with in between the endo visits. You may actually only see your endo um Every six months, but you may see the other person in between on like, you know, a rotating basis. Um, I used to think that if I used to think the endo had to physically touch Arden once a year so that the billing was legal because she would kind of come in the room like Mary Poppins. She'd just kind of float in. She'd be like, hello, look down at the chart. Arden, (laughs) how are you? And then she'd reach out and she would just touch her. And I'm like, are we completing some legal liability right now? Like I've touched her. We can bill, you, you know, like right. it was a weird, and then she just, how are things? And then let me, and she, she'd lay down, rub Arden's sights a little bit, ask her a couple of questions, look at the chart, go, you're looking terrific. Keep it up. And then whoo, up the chimney. Float out the door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> up the <laughs> chimney. Or away on her umbrella. Or am, am, am I mixing movies right now? I've never seen Mary Poppins. <laughs> so. Oh, my goodness. Oh, you are missing out. It's such a good movie. Both of them, actually. The new did one she, and the really old one. Did she clean the chimney or did she go up the chimney? Or was it the no. guy that cleaned the chimney? That's the chimney sweep. Oh. Come on, Scott. And that was Dick Van Dyke, right? <laughs> That was Dick Van Dyke. And nobody listening to this knows who Dick Van Dyke is. At least I got that right. Well, Um, if they've seen the newest Mary Poppins Returns, Dick Van Dyke does show up in it at the end. And he um, is very old. So they will, they should, and he's very old. He still does his little jig dancing and everything. So, um, yes, I actually actually kind of looked at my husband and I was like, I am super amazed at his dancing ability. Like, do you you think that he was sitting in a corner and they were like, all right, in five minutes, hit Dick with the adrenaline. <laughs> no, get him out know. here. He's like, do the dance, do the dance, do the dance. Then he was done for a week. You know? right, oh, that's funny. Yeah, well. Yes, but I'm, that makes me sad that you have not seen Mary Poppins. All right, it's, well, come on, Scott. A, a spoonful of sugar. 
And you're talking about diabetes? No, I'm just kidding. I saw, I saw, I saw the first episode of She-Hulk last night. <laughs> is that is that not the same thing? Mm, probably not. Uh, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, so it's I, a Disney yeah. Plus thing. I wish I had known how to advocate for myself. Uh, when you don't know everything, especially in the beginning, I knew there was more, and I knew it could be done differently. But I didn't know the words to say to create the partnership with my endo. Instead, we often felt like opponents. Looking back. I can see how a change in language and better questions would have helped in our relationship. I struggled in that place of knowing I didn't that I didn't know everything, but not sure if our endo was going in the direction that we wanted. She right. said, she said, spoiler alert, they are actually amazing to work with. But in the first six months, we were in constant battling. Right. So I think there it sort of defines to the the underlying lack of the right kind of explanation at diagnosis, right? All of the things that get sort of spilled out to you. Mm-hmm. And you only you only can absorb so much, especially with now this turnaround in life, right? Yeah. Something that's bringing something in you didn't plan to have to manage and and take care of. So things like, you know, all of the the language around diabetes management, and I think from going into a clinician, it's really just being very upfront and saying, you need to explain that better. I don't know what that word means. And you have to step back and just pretend that you are saying, I I just don't get it. You're not saying that you're not a smart person. It's just that this is new. I don't get that. Or I've bring in some of the things maybe you've done the online community kinds of investigating and you've seen some things talked about and you're like, that's what's happening for us. But I don't know, is this right? Should I try, you know, what I've read about? Go to your clinician and bring it up and say, I've seen this discussed or I've seen this product or Mm -hmm. whatever. You can open doors in terms of discussion too, because, you know, the doctors aren't mind readers either. They don't know what you don't know. (laughs) It's it's an absolutely interesting situation because you're a hundred percent right. Like while it's easy to blame the doctor for not saying everything they should have said, right? they don't know what they should. Also, they don't like when you, when you're a doctor and you use the word bolus 800,000 times a day, there's no world where you think this person doesn't understand bolus. You don't even think about that. The, bolus is the, to them. It's a word that they just use, which is why, and I'll, I will absolutely without um, embarrassment pimp the, the the defining diabetes series in the podcast because I was going to mention it too, so I'm glad you brought it. You up. have to. It, they're simple terms that we explain simply. So you can listen through them. They're short episodes, and when you leave the episode, you go, "Okay, I know what basal insulin is now. I know what a bolus is now. I know what an algorithm is now. I know what you know." There's so many people that come on this podcast that'll say things like, "I didn't know I was MDI until I heard defining diabetes." Like, I knew I gave myself shots. I didn't know anybody right. called it MDI. So then when the doctor's talking and they say MDI very quickly, and you're, and you're sitting there going, I don't know what that means, but I don't want to say like anything. What? Yeah. I don't want to say any Right. And then quickly that feeling can turn into animosity. You're like, why are they talking to me in ways I don't understand? And so, it, yeah. you know, it helps if you help yourself, too. And if we're being fair, the doctor shouldn't assume you know those words. Correct. You know, especially in the beginning. Correct. I mean, the random, you know, time I might take a pause with a friend at a mealtime where I, 
you know, they don't have diabetes. They know that I do, mm-hmm. obviously. I'm like, I just have to bolus, you know, for my food. It's it's kind of like the deer in the headlights, yeah. sort of. <laughs> like Jenny's just doing her thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know what she just said, but we're going to go back to our conversation about whatever. Right. When she's done with this thing. But I think right? she needs a bowl. So somebody get her a bowl. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, this person says, I was constantly told not to adjust my own insulin or yes. my insulin to carb ratios or my basal. And if I did, I got in trouble. And several times I got in trouble for doing it without permission, which this is an adult who's now being told you can't do things. I felt bad at first. And then I stopped asking for their help. So to this day, they are always surprised at how the settings look when they get the pump information. Uh, but it really is okay. So to adjust things for yourself. So there's this thing. I don't know. The movie's getting old now at this point. But you remember the Madagascar movie? The, yes. The uh, animated movie. So there are times when I tell people, you just have to act like those penguins. You just smile and wave. Just right. Smile and wave. Yeah, I won't touch it. Don't worry. Do you have any idea how many people send me notes that say the doctor took my pump from me, changed my settings, I thanked them, walked out of the office, put them and all back, them back, and kept going, right? And But again, if you're newly diagnosed and you hear that, that is not comforting. Like, you no. mean I know better than the doctor? Or what if I don't? Like, then there's that indecision. Like, should I go with what? This is what I see from newly diagnosed people most often is the uncertainty And it all stems, my best estimation, it all stems, it's easy to say, like the, you know, the gaps in our healthcare system, Mm -hmm. but it's the gaps in what's reasonable. Like you can't see your doctor constantly. You can't see your doctor once a week. That's not going to work, right? Right. Every three months is too often. They don't know you. You know more than they do. They're trying to go off of a static piece of information that you bring to them. They might not even be that good at it. You're bad at articulating what's going on because you get in there and you clam up a little bit because they're the doctor and you don't want to say anything and blah, blah, blah. And so it's it's bad communication. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. It's bad communication. The same reason you have trouble in your marriage, you have trouble with your kids, you have trouble with teachers, you have trouble everywhere. You are not communicating well. And it's a two-way street. And so if one of you is doing a good job and the other one isn't, it's still not going to work. It's, right. it's a tough position to be in. Well, and I think from a standpoint, we're talking about, you know, medical team, right? Mm-hmm. You should have a team approach in which you are a team member. You're not the stand back, let the team do it for you. You are a piece of this team, right. which means that you may have an endo, you might have an endo and maybe a nurse practitioner or a PA. Um, you need to have an understanding of, what can our communication be like? Mm-hmm. How often can we kind of check in with each other? Everybody, for the most part, has an electronic medical record with the ability to send a message and and get a response. It may not be as quick as you would like it to be, but you may get a response. But also that team should be made up of not only an endo, but also an education partner. Yeah. Right. I, endos are, and over the many years that I have been working as an educator, I only just really like thought about the fact that endos are not educators. No. You may, you may find a really good endo 
who does talk you through things and does explain things and really does the work um, kind of collaboratively with you. But I think real education comes from an educator who you can sit down with in a more lengthy visit. Yeah. I used to hate ordering my daughter's diabetes supplies. I never had a good experience and it was frustrating, but it hasn't been that way for a while, actually for about three years now, because that's how long we've been using US Med. USmed.com slash juice box or call 888-721-1514. US Med is the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre systems nationwide. They are the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, the number one fastest growing tandem distributor nationwide, the number one rated distributor in Dexcom customer satisfaction surveys. They have served over 1 million people with diabetes since 1996, and they always provide 90 days worth of supplies and fast and free shipping. U.S. Med carries everything from insulin pumps and diabetes testing supplies to the latest CGMs like the Libre 3 and Dexcom G7. They accept Medicare nationwide and over 800 private insurers. Find out why U.S. Med has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau at usmed.com slash juicebox, or just call them at 888-721-1514. Get started right now, and you'll be getting your supplies the same way we do. I, I think it would be valuable if you thought of yourself as a high draft pick quarterback. You've been taken in the first round. You're the fifth pick. You're not ready to play yet. But when you're standing in that huddle and you're standing at practice and everyone else is talking about what's going on, it should be in the back of your head. I'm going to be the starter soon. Mm-hmm. This this The old guy is gone. It's He's not going to be here anymore. It's going to be me. I have to run this team because that's the situation you're really in with diabetes. It's that at some point, it's going to be you. You're going to be the man, right? right? And right. so absorb everything you can, ask as many questions as you can. And then if you can't get your questions answered there, then go somewhere else. Go to another coach, Correct. right? Go f- listen to the podcast or find a Facebook page somewhere. Ask other people. And don't take the first thing somebody says to you as, as gospel. Wait till you see some consensus a little bit. Like, you know, what right. few people tell you. They're- or I think another piece within that is take, Take some of what the doctor or, you know, clinician might be telling you Mm -hmm. newly diagnosed. A lot of it is a little bit more experimentation than it is with lengthy years with diabetes and some understanding behind that. Right. So take some of those things. But the next time you check in, bring back and say, we applied these things that you told us should be working. This is what happened, whether good or bad or, you know, what you wanted to happen or not. You you have proof to be able to say, we did try this. We next tried this. This seems to work better for us. And I, somebody should work with you then. Yeah. And I think <clears throat> there's a there's a technique in conversation where you don't you don't put somebody in like a power situation over you, but you do act a little referential towards them a tiny bit. You, you know what I mean? Like you don't want to come in overpowering the doctor. Because right. they're gonna, they have a personality too. They're either going to push back because they don't like the power structure, or they're going to be a timid person, and now you're not going to get their thoughts anyway because you're just kind of going at them. There is a way to center yourself, say what you need to say, stick up for yourself without being 
aggressive and mm-hmm. and there's a there's a middle ground in there. Uh, this right. per, this person said try to find a doctor that works with you and doesn't boss you, boss you around. The first doctor I saw after diagnosis walked into a room, this is harsh, and told me that I had to eliminate carbs or else I would risk an amputation. If my certified diabetes educator mom hadn't been in the room, I might have actually believed that. So my mom yanked me out of there and told me that I needed a doctor who didn't use scare tactics and who would teach me instead. Yeah, absolutely. There's, I think, I think it's possible that doctors can become jaded. Um, I have a friend who's been a police officer for a very, very long time, and he has to battle against the idea that every person he sees is trying to get over on him, lie to him, or is breaking a law. Sure. And I wonder how many people you see ignore their diabetes before you just think, I'm going to come in with a club and just beat this into their head. You know? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's just, it, 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 it's how it, that's my expectation. Like how many people did that doctor give good advice to before they just gave up, you know? Right. It's, right. It's and I think, you know, what's a little bit different age wise is that, For the most part, while there are kids with type 2 diabetes, as a child diagnosed, majority of the time it's going to be type 1, Mm -hmm. right? And so within that is an endocrine practice that has a little bit more specialty in understanding specific to type 1 diabetes, whereas those who are diagnosed as adults, even young adults, oftentimes need to do a little bit of homework about the endo that they're going to be seeing or working with. One of the big questions I always have asked whenever we've moved and I've had to change practices is I call the office and I ask how much of your practice or who in your practice sees the majority of people with type 1 diabetes. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going into an office space where 10% of the people that they work with have type 1, it may not, it may be a really, really awesome endo. Your first experience might be that this person is really willing to work with you. So don't certainly turn away from them, but they may not have the experience of an endocrine practice that more so specializes in type 1. Right. Right. So doing a little bit of your homework, if you have the ability early on, that can help. To add on to that, this person said, don't assume that your pediatrician or your primary care doctor even knows anything about diabetes management. And that's probably not as common nowadays, but there Mm -hmm. are still places, more rural places where there's no endocrinologist or I, because when I interview older people, they'll tell me all the time, like, oh, an internist took care of my diabetes for 20 years. I never saw an endo. You know, like, or my general practitioner writes me prescriptions for my insulin or stuff like that. And it's, it's, some people just aren't in the position to see an endo. I also don't want to paint a picture that all doctors are going to be like scary or bad at their job or anything like that. I'm sure there are plenty that are absolutely terrific, you you know, Um, but the terrific ones aren't going to lead you to this podcast (laughs) where you're like, what the hell is happening? (laughs) You know, like it's, it's, it's going to be in these situations and these are, this is, Real feedback from people. Um, I had to figure out that my doctor was being super conservative with guidelines, and they weren't telling us information because they thought it was too complicated 
to tell us. Oh. So this is an interesting scenario. I've talked about this before. It's hurtful to hear. But the doctor makes a snap decision about your intelligence. It just happens. They look at you and they think, what can this person handle? And it's they're not always going to be right. They're probably frequently going to be wrong. I don't think it's a medical thing. I think it's a human thing. And then they can find themselves in a position where they're doling out the information on a level where they think you can handle it. And sometimes you have to tell them, I need all, like some people want it all right now. Like if right. you're one of those people, then tell me everything. I'll let me deal with it. Right. And, and if you're a person who's not, put your hands up and say, hey, can we go a little more slowly? I'm overwhelmed by this a little bit. Right. Like you can tell them who you are mm -hmm. instead of letting them decide who you are. Um, right. And I, because I think I've seen it happen in both directions. I've seen like very kind, lovely people get overwhelmed by information. And I've seen people who are voracious to have information who have it held back from them. Right. So. And I think that also goes with doing a little bit of homework on your end, honestly, to be aware of what it is that's important to discuss knowing time constraints of the visits that we have with clinicians these days. Mm -hmm. Your visit will not be three hours long, despite the fact that you came in with a list of 100 questions and you're the person who wants them all answered right now. Yeah. I guarantee as much as the doctor may want to, they don't have they don't have time for that. And it's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. um, so come in with the top priority of I need to address this, this, and this, especially not newly diagnosed where it is a little bit up and down. You're learning, you're navigating through things like insulin needs and changes and all that kind of stuff. Um, so what are your priority you know, needs right now that you want answered, that you want clarification around, or you know, those things that you just you don't understand? Um, because that can help direct the course of that visit as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm reading through some of these and we've talked about some of the stuff and I just sort of made a point that I just wish I would have waited to see this person's thing. Cause she just says, I wish people would have stopped telling me what I could handle. Yeah. That, that was a big one. Um, because they don't know you personally. Right. Like you said, you yeah. are, you are Joe Schmo from the yeah, corner. No one knows to them. anybody at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows anybody. Yeah. This person makes the point when you have questions, you can call your endo t at day or night, leave messages. There's um, services they can get back to you. Um, the, and there's other support at the hospital, like social workers, child life specialists. Um, Jenny used to work at a hospital, right? Doing nutritional yes. stuff. Like there's people there you can talk about nutrition with. Yes. Um, ask for the services. Don't just assume they're going to give them to you. Correct. Um, let's see what else we have here. I think a lot of people don't realize they actually do have a say in their care. It was difficult for us because my husband is an ortho. He was leaning towards doing everything by the books. And I was reading and listening to all to the podcast and all sorts of things. And mm -hmm. I wanted to derail this train quickly. And he <laughs> thought we were being told truths from the hospital. We came to a common ground after a little while. So I mm -hmm. read this one because this is a common thing that people with diabetes have said to me when my daughter was diagnosed. And, and I say to other people, there's an amount of time, and it is not a long amount of time, where you will know more about this than the people who are helping you. And maybe you'll get lucky. It's a weird thing to say and have a, a practitioner who has type 1 diabetes 
and thinks about it the way you want to think about it. If that's mm-hmm. the case, you're probably really going to have a nice smooth time of it. But if you're just talking to a lovely person who wanted to help people and found themselves in endocrinology and are reading from, you know, books and and charts right. that they're supposed to follow, there'll be a moment where, and it's not because their knowledge is lacking, it's because you're in it all day long and they're not, you're going to know. Right. And then what's the, then the, the hard part is to make that leap to actually trust yourself, like trust your gut, like this is wrong. I need more basil or I, you know, my carb ratio is not right or this shouldn't be happening this way. Instead of just asking a disembodied voice on the phone a year into your diabetes, what do you think? Because I mean, Jenny, you do it for a living and I see a lot of people's stuff. You can make an educated guess when you see a couple of graphs, Yes, but you are still guessing. Absolutely. Without details, you're still guessing. And that's where, you know, when you say at some point, you will know more than your clinician knows. I think it's, you will know more about your navigation of diabetes Mm -hmm. than your clinician knows because your clinician isn't living it for you. And you, those are some, again, from a communication standpoint, you have to communicate that to your doctor. Let's say the doctor is the one who said to adjust this way for soccer every single Saturday morning. And you tried that and you tried it and you're like, that didn't work. This is what's happening. So let's try this. Let's do something different. Then bring it in and proof again. Say we did. We tried what you told us to try. It didn't work, but it's working this way for us. We figured it out. So in that case, yes. Do you know more? Absolutely. You know more Mm -hmm. because you are living your diabetes. Yeah. There's a moment where you know it's true and you just have to believe it. And there's a moment where you have to remember the old adage, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. (laughs) So uh, because you're going to get caught into situations where you come back in and you're like, look, we made our basil 0.5 and it was 0.3. And the doctor's going to be like, well, who told you to do that? And you're going to say, uh, my kid's blood sugar told me to do that when it was sitting at 150 right. all the time. And now, by the way, look, it's 95. So right. I figured this out. Say thank you. <laughs> I always mm-hmm. I always think that sometimes when people are giving me crap, I'm like, would you can just say thank you and let's move on. Like, I did your job. Like, like just right. be cool. Do you think there's... This is sort of an unfair question because you I don't know how comfortable you'd be answering this. But mm-hmm. do you think there is that that God complex with doctors that they don't want to be wrong or they don't want to appear to be wrong because then you lose faith in them? Like, what is that? What stops a person from going, wow, I can't believe you brought your A1C down three points without me. Great job. Like, you know what right. I mean? And I think it, in a way it's... It's that God complex kind of term is, it's a harsher way to say what I think is a doctor has gone to school for an awful long time, has really learned, has applied in a clinical sense, all of this book information, right? right? And it's not that they're displeased. I think on a personal level, they're not displeased with success. At least a a good physician is not. In Mm. fact, they should be praising you and saying, hey, how did you do this? You know, let me learn a little bit because it may help me to help others who have similar, you know, but I think they're disappointed that 
not that they don't have diabetes. <laughs> you know, they're not like, geez, give me diabetes so that I can learn about this better. But I think they don't have the personal experience so that there is a little bit of sense of feeling like, but I know because I went to school for all of this, right? Yeah. You know, I used to tell people in the in the past on the podcast, if you listen to older episodes, I'll tell you, don't go into the doctor and tell them you learned this on a podcast. <laughs> Just, it'll make it easier for you, right? And and you think about it, right? How do you become a doctor? You get an undergrad degree. You have to pass the MCAT, apply to medical school, complete your training at medical school, pass, like, I think there's parts one and two of, like, this medical licensing exam. You have to get into a residency program, complete your residency program, and then you have to graduate from medical school. You've done all that. And I come into your office and I go, hey, Scott and Jenny said, <laughs> and you're right. like, who the hell are Scott and Jenny? <laughs> right. Who are these people? Yeah. What do you mean? Do yeah. you see my awards on the wall? Yeah. Right. You know, I'm... and for a specialty, specialties go beyond right yeah. i mean an endocrine fellowship is at least, it's two years typically right. um so not have they gone to school to be a doctor now they've gone to school to specialize in what you walked into their office to talk about well, so well, and i do think that like that on that very human level sometimes like somebody must sit there and think oh well yeah i'm a doctor but i guess you could listen to a podcast if you wanted to like i think a podcast is the new dr google to people you know what i mean which by the right. way Back in the day when the when the internet was first getting going, I get it. But at this point, no kidding, you can pretty much diagnose anything with Google. At this, and you can be and you can be right about it. Like the old joke is that you know you can find out anything you think is wrong with you. But if you're really thoughtful about it, I have figured out some significantly difficult things about people in my family by just thoughtfully going through the top, the the details yeah. that I knew and googling the things I didn't understand. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. <laughs> but but I have I listen to those doctors. I'm sorry. I can't imagine. Like I, if someone walked in here and was like, you know what you should do? I'd be like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, I, I have this. I know how to do my job. And so I think there's that. I also always wonder about the fear the doctor must have. Like, how did you do this? I don't understand what you did. And how do I help you moving forward if I don't know what you did to get to this point? Like, I see both sides of it, you know? Right. It must well, be- and that's that's where the communication part really, if you want a team, if you want a team that on the back end of everything that you navigate and have figured out, something's going to come up where you're going to need your team. Yeah. And you want that collaboration. Some of it may be educating them. Mm -hmm. Like I said, you figured out that their strategy didn't work, then explain what you did because that may that may bolster what they're doing in terms of or they're learning to help somebody else. Yeah. I have to and say, learn you better. There are also countless people who come into the Facebook group and you answer these couple of questions and one of them is how did you find out about the podcast? And more people than I ever imagined, say, from my from my doctor. From my doctor. So That's great. There are plenty of people out there who are open to it. And, you know, again, if you find those people, just rejoice and, and move forward. You, you know what I mean? People. Yes. Who, because you might you might get the exact opposite of this. I almost feel like this conversation is a lot like the one about putting your kids in school with diabetes. There are mm -hmm. people who have terrible experiences with schools and there yes. are people who have amazing experiences with schools now here's the last thing i want to say about this you know when you ask somebody about how's it going you know how's your a1c and they go great 
but then they don't tell you anything else. And then later you learn their A1C is like 8.2, but it used to be 10, so it seems great. So it is great. Right. But you lack the context when you ask the question. Sure. How is it at school? Oh, it's great. The nurse is terrific. Sometimes that just means I don't get pushback or we don't fight. It doesn't really mean they're doing great. And I think people do that with doctors a lot, too. Mm-hmm. I hear them say all the time, I love my doctor. You have no idea how many people I've interviewed whose health is tenuous at best. And when they speak about their physicians, they're fantastic. Oh, they're great. Sure. Oh, we love her. She's wonderful. <laughs> Your A1C is nine and a half. Oh, my God. She's salt of the earth. You have no idea. Big hug every time I see her. Right. You judge your doctor any way you want. I'm judging your doctor by your health. <laughs> okay. So, right. you know, so if your health is not optimal, I know you're a good person and the doctor is a good person, but it's okay to expect better, I guess is what I'm saying. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you're not getting, again, you've tried what you know how to try and you're not really giving, getting any additional feedback to improve what you know isn't quite right, it's time to potentially look for something better. Yeah. And it, I, it is. I would suggest interviewing those new doctor candidates by phone or in person, if they will, before you switch. Yes. Because I've seen people switch from one to the other. And I also want to tell you that there is a moment when you're going to have to look down deep in your soul and make sure that it's not you. So mm-hmm. maybe you're, I hate to say this, but maybe you're difficult and you don't know it. Y- you know, that could Correct. be too. Right. It could be. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, it's actually a reason that I really, and I love the fact that on your website, you've got um, some endocrine resources. Mm-hmm. And I look at it every once in a while. I'm like, are there any new ones in here that, I, that I've like missed any new states that actually have somebody that somebody's commented? Because from a new standpoint, while there there are a lot in there, there are not as many as I think need to be there. Right. Because people with diabetes are all over the place and there is not always going to be an endo doctor who fits yeah, the, this person is great. It's juiceboxdocs.com. And when you go there, you can click on a link. It'll generate a little email for you. And then you fill in the information it asks for. And if you think you have a great doctor, then we add them to the list so other people can find them. Yes. That's it. It's a great, it's a great resource. It's a nice idea. Have that. I wish more people would, would sub- make submissions because it really is difficult to find a good doctor. It is, absolutely. And there are some cities in there. That are not the typical like New York City or like Chicago. You know, there's some some smaller places or some areas around bigger yeah. places that have some good recommendations. Jenny, I have to tell you at the end of this, if you have a second, the yeah. going through and living with diabetes with my daughter and then thyroid stuff, it's taught me stuff that has helped me in other parts of my life. It's helped me advocate for myself. It's helped me help my mom. I'm going to tell you right now, my mom is alive today because of what I learned from Arden having type 1 diabetes. Because, because you know how to dig for more information and to find the right resources. And I know I, I know what's happening in front of me. A doctor told mm-hmm. my mom that 
she would not live through a surgery she needed to remove cancer. And mm -hmm. he was telling us, we're just going to manage your mom's pain until she dies. That is exactly what we were being told. And we kept looking and kept pushing and found another doctor who gave my mom the surgery she needed. And that was at, ooh, in two months, a year ago. Mm -hmm. My mom was given a clean bill of health. She is finished with chemotherapy and she is back living her life again. She would have died about five months ago if I listened to the first doctor. Right. That is exactly the truth. Um, I needed an iron infusion and nobody believed me, but I kept pushing and I came with facts and I was persistent without being a pain in the butt. Um, and, and I got it and it, yeah save me, you, you know, um, over and over again, these things happen. My mom's blood pressure got wonky last week and I called the doctor and I said, what are you doing? And he goes, well, we're upping her blood pressure medication. And I was like, well, that hasn't helped. What else right. are you going to do? And he's like, well, I could try giving her more. I said, you know what else you could try? And he said, what's that? I said, you could try calling a cardiologist cause you're a GP and, right. um, let's go. And he gets the cardiologist in with her and my mom calls me two days later. She goes, well, I'm dizzy today and I'm nauseous. I'm like, why? She goes, good reason. They got my BP down and I'm adjusting to it. She's like, it's going to mm -hmm. take a couple of days, I think. But my mom was going from a, a top number of 180 and they got her wow. down to like 120. Why? Because the cardiologist knew a different medication knew than the GP knew about. That's and you know what I, I hear as you explain that as well? I don't know how old your mom is, but... She could explain why she was having the symptoms she was having. Mm -hmm. She wasn't just thinking, well, I just have to live through this. The cardiologist did a good job of explaining that to her he and saying, her. Yeah. these are some of the things that you're going to go through until the meds are adjusted right and your body has kind of come to the level that's appropriate. Yeah. That is a really good doctor. My mom's One who said. Yeah. She didn't know that on her own. She definitely didn't. Somebody, sure. somebody explained Sure. Somebody explained her. it. Yeah. Well, um, anyway, so good luck. I hope you get a great doctor. If you don't stick up for yourself, if you stick up for yourself, do it nicely because you're building a relationship with this person. Trust yeah. your gut. Understand you're going to know more than them at some point. And um, smile and wave when you have to. That's <laughs> Be the penguin. Yeah, that's my advice, which is not advice, awesome. medical or otherwise. See you later. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. A huge thanks to U.S. Med for sponsoring this episode of the Juicebox podcast. Don't forget, usmed.com slash juicebox. This is where we get our diabetes supplies from. You can as well. Use the link or call 888-721-1514. Use the link or call the number, get your free benefits check so that you can start getting your diabetes supplies the way we do from U.S. Med. If you're not already subscribed or following in your favorite audio app, please take the time now to do that. It really helps the show. And get those automatic downloads set up so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Did you know that Apple Podcast users can become paid subscribers to the podcast? And what that gets you? is the entire Bold Beginnings series ad-free, the entire Diabetes Pro Tip series ad-free, and early access to the regular show. More management series 
ad-free are being added all the time to the subscriber feature. Check it out in your Apple Podcast app.